Before we begin, I want to thank the sponsor of Oil & Gas Upstream, Oliva Gibbs. Oliva Gibbs provides clear legal solutions to complex oil, gas, and mineral law issues nationwide. We believe that when we focus on serving people, good things happen in the lives of our clients and employees. We just happen to be a law firm. Learn more at oglawyers.com. Oil and gas production is the union of natural systems with advanced science and complex engineering. Smart people across the globe create this remarkable place we call Upstream, and each day brings a new challenge. This is the Oil and Gas Upstream podcast, where we look at how these systems come together and learn from the people who make it happen. Welcome to Oil & Gas Upstream. I'm Elena Milkett, your host. Some of you know me as the former director for Oil & Gas Upstream Research at the U.S. Department of Energy. I retired from the DOE, founded a small consultancy, and became a podcast host. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our wonderful sponsor, Oliva Gibbs. Oliva Gibbs provides clear legal solutions to complex oil, gas, and mineral law issues nationwide. You can learn more at oglawyers.com. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, Bryant Jones, Executive Director at Geothermal Rising. Hi, Bryant. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Lena. It's great to be with you. Great. Thank you. Bryant Jones is a policy and energy scholar who spent the past five years researching at the nexus of policy issues, science and technology studies, and energy transition studies. His research at Boise State University covers how energy advocacy coalitions frame narratives and establish field rules and boundaries as they seek to gain attention and be placed on policy agendas. Bryant has 15 years of policy experience at federal, state, and local levels of government. He served in roles at the White House Office of Management. Is that Office of Management and Budget, OMB? It is OMB, that's correct. Okay, U.S. Department of State on Capitol Hill and is a National Security Fellow with the Truman National Security Project. Wow, you are at the right place at the right time to help bring all this together for energy transition, especially for uh, geothermal as it intersects with the other energy forms to give us energy security. So so tell yeah, us absolutely. tell us about yourself, your amazing career, and, 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 and then also about uh, geothermal rising. Yeah, well, well, Lena, it's really great to be with you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, And as you mentioned, um, I do have a background in in national security policy and energy policy, having worked on uh, at the federal government and in uh, nonprofits as well. Um, And what is so exciting about geothermal is is that it has a it's a solution to our national security and energy security needs in this country, in the United States. Um, and so it's just, it's ex- exciting to be here to talk about that today. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm a petroleum engineer and everybody knows, you know, boots in the field up to um, Washington, D.C., where I managed a multi-million dollar research program. But I started boots in the field and then ended up in the interface of policy technology with respect to how technology can give 
and create more policy options. And then policy can help steer the um, people and the needs of the people and provide solutions um, in, in the longer term. So so tell us about geothermal rising. We're an oil-centric, oil and gas-centric uh, podcast, but obviously the skills from the subsurface that petroleum engineers master um, are transferable to a very important sector like uh, geothermal. So what's geothermal rising? Why rising? Yeah. <laughs> well, Geothermal Rising is the trade association for the geothermal industry in North America. And um, what, what we, we promote, we advocate for geothermal technology adoption. Uh, to So we advocate for policy changes that will promote and, and build and empower a geothermal industry in North America. Uh, and we call it Geothermal Rising because it's both figurative and, and physical and that the geothermal is a source of renewable clean energy that is naturally produced by the earth and it rises to the surface of the earth and then we can we can capture it and, and use it um, and then uh, and then also figuratively because geothermal is right now top of mind and in, in, of policymakers around the world as a potential uh, energy source and energy resource to combat climate change to trans transition and, and leverage existing oil and gas uh, technologies and workforce into this clean energy economy that we all want to move to. Well, a lot of our audience are very interested in science, obviously, as well as the policy. So give us a little bit of story about um, what geothermal means. Um, you know, it's uh, the notion of taking the Earth's energy, heat, and being able to do something with it. You tell us the story. So for people who aren't really very familiar with uh, geothermal. Yeah, well, I imagine that many of your your listeners uh, experience a lot of the Earth's heat when they're drilling for oil and gas uh, products uh, below the subsurf in the subsurface, uh, and that heat can be harnessed to use and used for so many different purposes, uh, from producing electricity to heating and cooling buildings uh, to and, and using it for industrial heat uh, to mineral extraction. Uh, there, there's geothermal brines that have uh, vast amounts of, of minerals, critical minerals that we that we, we need in this in the clean energy transition. So there's there's lithium in geothermal brines, gold and zinc, um, and all of the minerals that go into some of these clean energy technologies, such as solar panels and wind turbines. Uh, there, those minerals have to come from somewhere and geothermal brines is one of the sources and geothermal brine technology is much more environmentally friendly than the current way we we source our critical minerals which is open evaporation ponds and open pit mining so geothermal uh, is has a offers a lot of environmentally uh, friendly ways to uh, utilize uh, to, to source minerals. Right, right. So heat and minerals. So um, minerals. not all the audiences, um, are, not all our listeners are petroleum engineers or subject matter experts in some aspect of oil and gas. So a lot of them aren't really familiar with the heat phenomenon. But the deeper you go, there's a heat gradient. And the deeper you go, the hotter it is. And any fluids like oil and gas and water um, are uh, subject to that ambient temperature. They heat up just like, you know, we do on the surface of the earth, right? We heat up. Um, 
um, in, in, in terms of exposure to the sun. And so the sun is obviously not in the subsurface, but it is the, it is the core of the earth. And that heat, that uh, core is very hot, and that's where we get uh, uh, that heat kind of um, will travel upward just by displacement, and then it will heat up everything above it. And so we get volcanoes with magma that's hot, comes lava at the surface, and it flows, and, and that's the heat we're talking about. So obviously we're not talking about volcanoes in geothermal, but we are talking about drilling wells, and then the wells intersect different layers of rock and different layers of rock are hotter and uh, have you know water in it perhaps brines and so that's the source of the brine that you're talking about the the chemicals in the rock they they um, are in solution in the brine water and then they and then they can come up and be extracted but you're talking about taking the water that's in in that geothermal well and bringing it up to the surface and using the heat from that um, that fluid to drive a turbine and create steam, uh, or rather the steam that drives the turbine that creates electricity. So it's a it's a little bit of a chain, but we're talking about free heat. <laughs> free That's right. That starts the that starts <laughs> that 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 uh, capability. So so when you say building the uh, the trade association for. Um, uh, the geothermal industry and the geothermal industry, but geothermal industry is still growing. I mean, it's not like oil and gas or other industries. It, it's still growing. So tell us the current, current state of the size of the industry and, and you know, just what the pathway might be for it to become a, a you know, a regular uh, source of energy for, uh, for us. Yeah. Uh, right now, the geothermal industry is very small in the United States. Uh, it accounts for less than half of a percent of our electricity generation and less than one percent of our of our thermal uh, generation, so heating and cooling of buildings. Um, the potential is vast. It's huge. Research from government organizations, uh, universities, think tanks, national labs um, show that geothermal has the potential to to produce electricity for over 16 million homes, um, to heat and cool those houses as well, and buildings as well. Uh, so the, the potential is humongous, and we have not even scratched the surface, uh, no pun intended, about using geothermal technologies in the United States. So we have a lot of, a lot of growth opportunities in geothermal, and it is what we usually call the the lost or forgotten energy technology because we as we most other technologies we have uh we've we human ingenuity has overcome technical challenges engineering and subsurface challenges or surface challenges and we have been able to scale and commercialize other technologies often or always with the support of government programs to get those industries started and we just haven't experienced that yet with the geothermal industry so one of the things geothermal rising is trying to do is work with governments around the country at the state level but also at the federal level to create a geothermal industry in the United United States and that's going to start with policy support it's the one thing that we just don't quite have yet for the geothermal industry is the right policies in place to re to launch this industry oh that's interesting so so what are the right policies what do we need well um, we need to just when we're writing energy policy we need to be thinking about the unique characteristics of geothermal uh, it is it is different than oil and gas. It's different than solar and wind. It has a lot of synergies with oil and gas, a vast, a lots and lots of synergies, which makes it so exciting that the oil and gas industry is is 
is looking at, at the geothermal industry industry right now for possible growth and expansion. Um, but the where we can have policy support, especially at the federal level, is uh, is streamlined permitting, uh, especially on the in federal lands. We need to improve uh, and. Uh, the process of getting permits for geothermal projects uh, and we also need more staff at the Bureau of Land Management at the Department of the Interior uh, who can process those permit requests from geothermal developers. This is particular importance as states around the country start uh, mandating geothermal or, or actually they're mandating clean firm technologies for their grids and geothermal is really the only technology that can provide that distributed, uh, dispatchable, clean, firm, renewable energy source that everyone's looking for right now. Right. Um, an another policy area is the, it's the upfront cost of drilling and exploring for geothermal resources is a financial, is a financial, is a, a financial hurdle for geothermal developers. And if we, if the geothermal industry had uh, if the government, if the federal government had risk mitigation, financial risk mitigation programs that the geothermal industry could utilize, then that would help de-risk that upfront capital cost for geothermal developers. It would entice more private investment. Um, and that, that risk, that upfront capital risk is still too high. And we need to, we need policy solutions to bring that down. And we used to have them. Back in the 1978, we passed some laws that created risk, financial risk mitigation programs that benefited the geothermal industry. And you'll see that the, mo the there's a large amount of growth in the United States of geothermal energy on our grid in the 1980s because of those laws. Most of those laws have since sunsetted um, and we need to reactivate them. Um, they're still on the books, but we just need to turn them back on. Yeah, yeah. So so I know that, uh, as I said earlier, technology is really kind of the direction that um, uh, a lot of our uh, listeners are interested in. And so let's just compare, and I'm so glad that you talked about the um, similarities between oil and gas and geothermal. I think it'll be easier for people to understand geothermal um, if we kind of start with that model. So. Um, I'm going to go through a little scenario here, and, and you help me um, to make sure that I'm on the right track in describing geothermal accurately. So you have to drill for uh, a have to drill a geothermal well to get the hot water up to the top, so it can help you know generate the steam that'll do the turbine and electricity. Okay, so that's a similarity, right? the drilling aspect, okay? Yeah, So that's right. now the second piece is that um, I think that geothermal wells are very much deeper than oil and gas well. Do you have a, a sense of that? Yeah, they can be deeper and it, and, but, and it depends on the resource, the geothermal resource. Um, and it depends on the, the location that one is drilling for the geothermal resource. In some areas of the country, those geothermal resources are closer to the surface of the earth, just to be, and in other areas, they're deeper down. Um, and so where they are closer to the earth, if the drill depths are gonna be, um, they're not gonna be as deep uh, versus the opposite. Um, there, so in, in addition to drilling, which there's a, the, we, the geothermal industry uses the same drill rigs, uses the same drilling technologies, uh, the same drill, uh, drill operators, uh, drilling operators can, uh, can you transition between the two industries seamlessly. 
other technologies or sorry other um, uh, workforce skills that are transferable are just is subsurface reservoir management um, all the understanding of, of the geology and the geophysics of the subsurface is transferable between the industries and as is a lot of the technology that we're using so the drill bits and the instruments that we need to to actually drill and find the resources are transferable so and and those are a lot of those technologies have not yet been utilized fully in the geothermal industry the way they are being used today in the oil and gas industry so we need to work to move some of this technology into the geothermal space and that will help bring down costs for the, for geothermal development uh, and also help leverage existing skills and work and, and talent of the geo, of the oil and gas workforce into the geothermal workforce right right so the um, the rate of growth of the geothermal industry is tied to policy investment and is that is that what it is policy and investment yes policy and investment it's really policy is the first thing that we need to um, accomplish to make sure that the geothermal industry has an opportunity to flourish in the united states and by doing so that will attract uh, private investment private investors whether that's private equity or venture capital or or um, uh, more seasoned and traditional investment opportunities into the geothermal space right right and so help me help me if I got this one right um, I have um, the thought there, there's two things that I'm aware of one is that um, we talked about the geothermal brines so you drill into a water reservoir that you know in oil and gas we drill into oil reservoir or a gas reservoir or both um and in and and it also has water and in geothermal you don't want any oil and gas or anything else you really want just the hot water the brines that are there so um when i have seen geothermal maps it seems like geothermal i mean you just like throw a dart and a map and you could drill but some reservoirs are bigger than others they have more water that would be able to be produced to the surface is that about right there so there this is a little bit outside of my skill set so i want to I, I would turn to one of my colleagues but there there's not geothermal doesn't need just it doesn't always need water there are some technologies that um can that utilize just the hot dry rock of of that's beneath the surface and are not as reliant on water. So geothermal has lots of different types of technologies that can be deployed based on the unique characteristics of the subsurface. So in some regions of the country where there's copious amounts of water or large amounts of water, then that might be the, the technology that is used. In other areas, it might be using the hot dry rock. Uh, in other, in some areas, we might be using fracking technologies, and in other areas, we'll be using closed-loop technologies that do not in interact with the envi subsurface environment. So that's the one of the exciting things about geothermal is is that it it has the geothermal industry has these different technologies that can be deployed based on the um, the subsurface formations. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I do know 
one of those technologies with respect to hydraulic fracturing. Um, that's a, that is a, a technology that uh, can be transferred from the oil and gas sector into the geothermal sector. And the idea there would be that you would drill a well into the area of, see, I thought it was the hot, dry rock, but it is, it is rock and it is, it may or may not be, uh, I mean, it may or may not be dry. It is rock and it is hot. So that's the yes. two out of three. Okay. That's, that's the difference that I wasn't picking up until we were talking about this. Okay. So, um, we would drill into this hot rock and, uh, and then drill vertically and then horizontally to contact a lot of that rock. Uh, then create the hydraulic fractures, and then mm -hmm. we would use that well to inject more water if it didn't have as much as, as we wanted to. And certainly we want it to last forever, right, as long as you can keep injecting the water. And then we would have another well that we would call, a, quote, a producer, where we would produce the hot water up to the surface. And then, then, and then we know the story about generating electricity. So That's right. And the, cycle, and the cycle continues. That's right. That's right. And so then uh, the um, so then the idea of transferring skills from the oil and gas sector into the geothermal sector, and for people who have some familiarity with oil and gas and hydraulic fracturing, um, all of the uh, advances in technology, safety, control, uh, efficiency, time efficiency, uh, as well as resource efficiency, um, would apply in the geothermal sector as we would inject the you know drill, inject and then produce and drill, inject, and produce. So by being able to apply this technology of hydraulic fracturing, uh, you can contact more of the heat of the rock, and then you can also maybe go to other areas that don't have as much natural water to be produced to the surface. And so that creates the opportunity to have geothermal be almost anywhere you want it to be, If if but there's more likelihood that there'll be more conditions um, where the rock is there, but you don't have enough water. Uh, to be able to generate the electricity. So it does have the potential to be a very real part of a person's personal energy portfolio, Yeah, right? So. Absolutely. I mean, geothermal is everywhere. Uh, and you can use it for uh, creating electricity or heating and cooling one's house. Uh, you have the uh, the electricity or creating power does, there's, that's one whole segment of the geothermal industry. Um, and then there's, and, and that, you know, we all want to turn our lights on when the sun sets and the wind dies down. We still want to have, we want to eat dinner with our families with lights on and not with candles anymore. Um, and that's where geothermal comes into play. I mean, our, 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 um, relatives in the intermittent renewable energy space, they don't have that benefit. And while it's an important technology, those are important technologies, we really want to make sure our lights turn on, stay on at night. Um, our street lights and, and, you know, that hospitals have electricity and uh, senior living centers have electricity. So uh, that that's that distributed um, clean firm base load technolo technology is what geothermal offers the United States. Um, and the other type of technology is the is the the ambient solar technology where we can use geothermal heat pumps uh ground source heat pumps to heat and cool our houses uh, and so that's another whole segment of the geothermal industry that is also really beneficial because it has the ability to decarbonize um the millions of buildings that we have in across the country 
Yeah, yeah, the heat pump. That's right. That's right. And is and that is the heat pump that I, you know, can see on you know uh, on the internet or whatever. Just pictures of it where it's uh, it's a pipe underground. It's not deep necessarily, and you're not. Yeah, it's not deep. It's just six to ten feet, uh, and in the in your one's backyard, or it can be even networked into a um, a. a a, a number of buildings like I'm, I'm in Boise, Idaho, and we get a, a number of buildings and neighborhoods have geothermal heat. They're all connected together in a single system um, using some deeper drilled wells. Um, but then there's, yeah, there's just you have these coils in your backyard and they are you pulling in the constant 55 degree temperature of the ground. So when it's 90 degrees outside, you're pulling in that 55 and that feels much more comfortable. And and then the opposite happens in the in the in the winter. Um, and then the other great thing about geothermal ground source heat pumps is they're 40% more efficient than air source heat pumps and they don't need, need as much electricity to run. So you can you can reduce the load on the electrical grid by using geothermal heat pumps. Yeah, yeah. So and, so um, so heat pump is a, a regular industry, right? I mean, every, almost everybody's familiar with it, especially in the in the east. Yeah, a lot of people are familiar with heat pumps. There's less familiarity with geothermal heat pumps versus air source heat pumps, oh, okay. and there's a there's a difference. And and both are better than the current systems that we have, or more efficient, I should say. Both are more efficient than the current systems we have of uh, traditional air conditioners. Um, but the other great thing about a geothermal heat pump ground source heat pump over an air source heat pump is that instead of what an air source heat pump does or any air conditioning, all, what it's actually doing is moving the hot air that's inside your house and just moving it somewhere else. It's not eliminating that heat. And so in dense urban environments like Houston or Dallas or, or New Orleans, um, what you're doing is you're moving that heat, that hot air out into the street. But with if you're using an air source heat pump, and that creates a public health hazard. And yeah. but it, so a geothermal heat pump, a geothermal ground source heat pump, moves that heat from inside your house and stores it into the ground, almost like a battery. So it's energy storage, um, and it also does not add to the urban heat challenge that is caused by current traditional air conditioners and air source heat pumps. Right, right. So. Um, uh, I'm trying to get to the notion of as we uh, reduce our dependence on oil and gas and increase the opportunity for perhaps geothermal and the workforce transition, um, how smooth might that be? How quickly might people, like young people, considering going into subsurface engineering, as I'm starting to call it, um, yeah. be, uh, how, might, how quickly might that or gracefully might that be um, in terms of young people wanting to study petroleum engineering and mastering that craft um, yeah. and then being able to be more creative and apply it to other subsurface sectors like geothermal or CO2 storage or even hydrogen or other energy storage um, in the subsurface. Yeah. That's a policy thing that has to be managed, I would think, otherwise people won't go into petroleum engineering, right? That's right. And I like to call it earth energy, earth, energy. Uh, earth energy science. You know, it includes CCUS, <laughs> it includes hydrogen, it includes geothermal, it includes direct air capture, um, all, all of that technology. It's like the power of the earth, uh, to using the earth to save the earth, if you will. 
Um, I personally think that the the transition is going to be smooth as long as governments start realizing and appreciating the value of the of the, the skills and knowledge of the existing oil and gas workforce. We don't need to retrain these this work force and it's a natural fit it also respects the um it, it, it respects the oil and gas workforce's existing skills and knowledge um and it respects their the places that these people are already living they don't have to move to new places to get a job installing solar panels for example they can stay where they are um, and we can build geothermal power plants or uh, geothermal manufacturing facilities right in the same places where these people live and to me that is what is truly what what how geothermal offers us this this uh, this great pathway this great ability to uh, respect the workforce of the, the oil and gas workforce in a just and equitable way, which is something that I we hear a lot about is trying to um, move into the clean energy economy justly and equitably. And one way to do that is to empower the geothermal industry in the United States so that we can transition and leverage the, the existing skill sets and knowledge of the oil and gas workforce into the geothermal industry. Yeah, no, that's very, that's very uplifting. That's very um, um, encouraging. Uh, so does uh, Geothermal Rising have some relationships with um, different organi trade organizations in the oil and gas sector that um, are kind of working together to help that transition be smooth? Yes, and well? in fact, what we, so just this, la just last month, uh, the Department of the of Energy announced that the Geothermal Rising, in partnership with Project Interspace and the Society of Petroleum Engineers, we the three of us nonprofit organizations were awarded a $165 million grant to do exactly this, to transfer the technology and the workforce from the oil and gas industry wow. into the geothermal industry. So th these three organizations are working side by side to start this process and that's going to include designing and building out geothermal curriculums to in, in to um, incorporate into existing petroleum engineering programs at universities and community colleges uh, around the country um, it's going to include uh, a component to to bring geothermal industry folks to college fairs and start talking to people who students who are want to have a career in earth energy technologies uh, so that they can learn more about geothermal and choose it as a career. Um, and then there's also a large, there's gonna be sub-grants awarded to tech, to startups and to, and to mature companies as well to bring those technologies that are needed from the oil and gas space into the geothermal industry. And so the, people should stay tuned to those opportunities. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities to leverage the, the oil and gas technology and bring it into the geothermal industry. That's exciting. What What is the um, what is the name of this program? All government programs have a name and they have a dollar value and 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 so what's the name of the uh, Yes, this, this is called uh, the Geode Grant. So it's Geothermal Energy from Oil and Gas Demonstration Engineering. That's the name of the grant, quite long, but for short, we're calling it GEODE. 
And how much was that? How much was that award? $165 million. Over how long? Over a five-year period. That's a lot of money. You're going to really make a difference with all of that. And, and most of that money, $155 million, is intended to go to companies to bring that technology into the geothermal industry from the oil and gas industry. So what the three groups that I mentioned are going to do is uh, administer this 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 pool of money uh, and figure out what are the most important technologies the geothermal industry needs that are already developed, already exist, are already being used in the geo in the oil and gas industry, but just need to be brought over to the geothermal industry. Oh, that is so exciting. Well, I'm a member of SPE, so I'm going to go and do a deeper dive and figure out what that is all about. And maybe SPE can give us uh, an interview as well on, on, on that story of uh, how this is going to work from the point of view of the uh, of petroleum engineers, the Society of Petroleum Engineers um, point of view. And um, so that's three groups. I, you're, it's just last month, so you probably don't have a lot of the details about how this is going to work, but I think people are going to be interested. Um, is there a website or something that we could put in the show notes for people to get more information specifically about your geode grant? Yeah, I can send you the uh, our press release. Perfect. If that's helpful. Yeah. And I'll, then I'll the put other the, the link thing. into the show notes to the press release. And also That'll another be great. thing I'll send you is SPE has a geothermal technical session section. I um, did know that. Yes, that's right. So, folks in the geo in the oil and gas industry, people who are members of of Society of Petroleum Engineers, should uh, become a member of the geothermal technology section at SPE, or they're welcome to become a member of Geothermal Rising as well and come to our yeah. our conference in October in Reno. <laughs> Great, great. Reno, oh, that might be a good a good draw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. No, I will definitely um, add um, the geothermal section to my to my list of areas of interest uh, as an SPE member and, and bring that in. We are almost yeah, I, at time. I have, uh, Brian. I have one Do you more have thing, any... actually, Elena. Oh, yeah, I, I... please. This is what I was just going to say. We're almost at time. Is there anything else you want to share with our, our listeners? Well, one thing I just want to mention is that you know, there are sort of four things you need to scale an, an industry or that the geothermal industry needs. And one is, is you need the technology, you need the customer demand, and you need the private sector investment or investments even from government as well. And geothermal is a mature technology. It's been around for um, uh, over a hundred years. It's, it's not a new technology. Um, the customer demand is start, it's a, geothermal is a now technology. It's ready to be deployed. It's already been being deployed. Um, the customer demand is there as well. We have uh, people, public utilities are around the country are asking for clean, firm, uh, dispatchable energy sources, and that is geothermal. And then the private investment dollars are starting to come in as well. Um, but what we don't yet have in the geothermal industry is the right policy mechanisms to support the launch of the of the of the geothermal industry. So that is where that is why for the last week the geothermal industry has been um, in Washington D.C. Talking to law to lawmakers, congressional staff, meeting with Department of Energy and other agencies to help create the policies that are needed to launch the geothermal industry in the United States. 
So let me, I'm just was curious and I forgot about this and, and, and you reminded me when you talked about the, the customer demand. Um, so um, would it ever be something that, would it ever be a thing that people might have a geothermal well in their backyard that could use, you know, and then small, you know, power generation. We talked about distributed power generation forever. I mean, and then people want to um, be able to charge their EVs and the like. So does that ever, is that part, does anybody talk about that at all as a vision or? Um, I don't, I haven't seen people talking about having a geothermal power plant in their backyard producing a few kil kilowatts of electricity <laughs> like for example um but you, you do have your geothermal heat pump that you can have in your backyard giving you, you know, all the heating and cooling that you need for your house um, but from an electricity perspective we can't we, geothermal is distributed we do have plants that are the one or two megawatts uh, but you wouldn't put a one megawatt power plant in your backyard uh, it's still still a little more electricity than you need <laughs> <laughs> just a but little what what we're seeing in this customer demand though is states like california which put in man, has now mandated a thousand megawatts or one gigawatt of electricity from clean firm uh, baseload power, which is only geothermal, we see other states, be, and they have to do that because they they're they have they're experiencing so much uh, disruption in their electrical grid in the state of California. We're seeing other states are experiencing that too as we add solar and wind to our electrical grids. Texas is another example. We need we need that clean, firm baseload and uh, technology to compensate. And so other states are starting to put mandates into their internal resource plans, their, their IRPs of mandating that geothermal be added to the, to the mix as well. And one way I like to think about this is we're never, we're not, we don't ever want to have 100% of any type of techno, of any type of electricity generation. It's just the way when, when it, I think I like to look at it as when we're investing our money for our retirement, we don't put all of our investment in one stock or one, you know, one company or one type of mutual fund. We we spread our investment over many different uh, uh, in investment vehicles, and that's what we want to do with our electrical grid as well. Um, and when we do that, we become more, uh, we per increase our national security, we become more energy secure, uh, and we are less at risk of climate change and natural disasters that have been experienced quite severely in places like Texas and California. So definitely we appreciate diversity of thought, uh, diversity uh, in our social interactions, diversity of investment, and so a diverse energy portfolio I think is a is the perfect um, answer there. All of the above, including oil and gas, because we're going to need it for lots of reasons, not just right. um, you know, not just energy uh, fuel. That's right. Not just fuel. We always so. we always appreciate we we always will need our medical devices and the plastic components of our cars and our electronics. And for those reasons, we're, we will need hydrocarbons um, for forever, but uh, we right. can just, we can balance 
where we what resources we use for the to make sure that we're doing it in a, the cleanest way we can. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm real excited about the geo grant and the partnership between SPE and geothermal. I didn't know about it, so I was just asking and encouraging. I'm so delighted to hear that it's already got money. It's got legs. It's going to happen. So maybe we'll have you back next year. You can tell us all the wonderful things that have been happening um, over the year. You said you just got the grant last month, and so you still working it out and but in yep. a year you will certainly have a lot of money in place and things happening so that'll be very exciting to get in an update and yeah, and of course they'll be, be seeing you in the geothermal circuit circles um as going forward because i i'm definitely interested in this sbe aspects of it you know uh the oil and gas sector is uh, cyclical has been cyclical and uh people have suffered because of that uh, still being loyal to their craft uh, in petroleum engineering so now having um, lots of lots more options is real exciting for for uh, that workforce. So I'm happy to hear about that and be part of that. So great. Well, um, Bryant Jones, executive director, new executive director for Geothermal Rising. Thank you so much for being our guest today and for sharing all about your contributions to oil and gas and geothermal and energy security. Um, uh, I, I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. Well, thank you, Elena. It's been a real pleasure, and, and thanks for sharing this opportunity to speak with you and your audience. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please give us a review and tell us what you like and what you'd like to hear more about on future podcasts. This is Elena Melker, your host for Oil & Gas Upstream. More next time. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Upstream podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.